Four Caleb's still in here. Oh, Caleb's up. Chad, to see the range there. But uh, Caleb gave me this this morning. He wanted to make sure that uh, from a coasty family that I had armament to get on the ferry and head back down to the desert. Um, this up there, but I'm going to wait until after the service. But you better be on the run, Caleb. Uh, I have nothing new to say. Hence the scripture, Philippians 3. This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward for the prize, to be in the center of what God has called me to do, and be in the center of his will, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, wherever I go. A year ago at this time, things were different for all of us. It was different for this church. It was different for each of us. I was over at the mission, not ready to leave until September, but definitely ready to leave in September. God had other plans. I can still remember Heather Norton come and very shyly asking me if I would preach uh, for a couple of Sundays. And those couple Sundays turned into a year. I don't think either one of us realized that was going to happen at the time. But nevertheless, I have preached from this text before. I preached from this text the first Sunday that we started together uh, in an interim status. Because there is nothing else that can be said except to press forward and lay hold of what God lays a hold of us for as a church, as individuals, wherever we go, whatever we do, we lay hold of what Christ has laid hold of us for. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for this church. We thank you for what you have done over the last year. Lord, we lift up Pastor Peter and Teresa, wherever they are right now, that you would uplift them and bring them along in your journey that you have for them. We pray for Pastor Larry and his family as they prepare to come up here. We thank you that you have called them we thank you for the work that the church team has accomplished in finding this church. And we just pray that through your Holy Spirit that you will just do what more of what you've done in the last year, more of what you've done over the years that this church has been in existence because this is your family, God. And we thank you for what it is what you are doing through them. In Christ's name, amen. You could almost take a look at this passage of Scripture and get a sense that maybe Paul is laying out his resume for a job. Not sure what the job is, whether it's to be an apostle or just to continue telling the story. Paul is uh, ready to, to move on. 
even move on out of life if necessary to lay down his life at this time. He um, knows Jesus Christ and, and he has lived what God has called him to do. But he's also ready to proclaim the good news if that's what God wants him to do at this time. So he's ready. And that as you look at Paul, you think about the phases of, of looking for a job and sending out resumes and those types of things. And it can get very convoluted. When I was first drafted into the Army, I did not need a resume. Um, they checked my feet to see if they were <coughs> had five toes each. They did. Even though I had flat feet, they took me anyway. I can remember going through the various process of the, the, the physical uh, down at the MEP station where people were being asked various questions. And got a hold of some of those questions they were asking. I said, okay, how can I answer this uh, for the physical? You know, I, I'm standing in line just listening. And uh, I heard one medic ask a kid my age, um, do you pee a lot? Well, maybe, I wonder, will that get me out of this physical if I say yes to that question? Good interview question maybe, I don't know. And so I got to that medic, and he asked me that question, and I said, well, yes, I do. Great. Got to the next station. The medic asked me the next question, which I had not heard. Um, but he asked me, do you drink a lot of water? I said, well, why, yes, I do. Well, that explains why you pee a lot. Keep moving. But when you're... Moving through the hiring experience, uh, the interview process, we could see Paul almost going through this process with his resume, putting down all of his credentials first. When, when you're hired in a medical field, the credentialing office is probably one of the most important offices because they're going to make sure that you have all of the proper credentials to do the job that you're going to be doing. And they're going to make sure that what you're able to do is within your scope of practice, whatever it is that job you're going to take. So the credentialing becomes very important. So Paul lays out um, his credentials as to he might be serving God in whatever capacity that God wants him to serve. And he says, if anybody else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I do. I have more. Listen to my credentials. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the people of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In regards to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. Lays out his credentials. Okay, so you got a dozen people that all have the same credentials. They're all qualified for the job. The next thing you go after is, is what is their experience? Uh, do they have the experience to do the job necessary? Uh, and I, I can recall for a while in, in the Veterans Administration that we went to performance-based interviewing where you were asked a question, can you tell us, uh, give us an example of how you handled this kind of situation or how you dealt with this kind of whatever job you were being hired for, what you had to give an example of how you had done that in the past. And so Paul lays out his experiences in, in 1 Corinthians. 
He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am more. But then he lays out now his experiences, his, his performance-based answers to the questions. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, dangers from my fellow Jews, danger, from, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, and danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have been gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul has the credentials. Paul has the experience. For whatever it is that God's going to call him to do, and Paul is ready, he has the credentials, he has the experience. But he says, both in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and Philippians 3, that those things aren't what is really important to him to be able to do what God wants him to do. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if I must boast, I'm going to boast of the things that show my weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I always love that part when interviewing for an essay. Can you define one or two of your weaknesses? Am I so bold as to say I have none? Uh, how do I answer this question? Um, I'm shorter than everybody else, so don't pick me for your basketball team. I... I have no weakness. I can remember interviewing for a school teacher position job. My, my first interview, and, and this was for a fifth grade class. I just finished my student teaching, and I was ready. It was actually my daughter who lined up the interview because she was a student at this elementary school, and she told the principal, my dad is a student teacher over at the other elementary school down the road. He's looking for a job. Well, okay, tell him to come in for an interview. Well, I'm ready. Problem was, is that one of my greatest weaknesses got in front of me, and that was I was a klutz. A klutz. I had my coffee cup sitting up on the dashboard of the car as I drove up to the campus. I had a nice set of clothes on, looking good for that interview, ready. I had all of my credentials. I had all of my whatever you needed. Tell them about my experiences. And as I pull into the parking lot, I hit a bump. And that coffee, the lid comes off the coffee, the entire cup of coffee comes down in front of me, and I realize that I only have about three minutes left before I'm supposed to be in this interview. Fortunately, it was August in Tucson. I step out of the car and go, Lord, dry me. It dried some, but I smelled like a cup of coffee when I walked in for that interview. Needless to say, I did not get that job, but... 
How do we tell people about our weaknesses? Paul says, I glory in my weaknesses. He may not even know what they all are, but he glories in them because it's in those weaknesses that God provides the strength that he needs to do the job that God called him to do. And whatever job calls, God calls us to do, we better glory in our weakness because we may not have the strength or the wisdom or the skills to do that job, but God is going to make sure that things happen. Or it's not God's work. And Paul was definitely interested in doing what God had called him to do, not his own thing. He says in Philippians 3, in this passage where he talks about all his credentials. But whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says... He take, he, Paul had taken a look at his life, realized what he could boast about, but says, wait, all those great things I count as loss compared to knowing Jesus Christ. I count as loss compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Friday night over at Camp Woody, when John from... Um, I'm not sure what church he's from. I know he's involved with wildlife. He gave the gospel. And kids responded to that gospel. It's the same gospel that Paul was talking about here. That I might know Jesus Christ. I count it all as garbage. The picture that Paul paints in this passage about the garbage is nothing more than a dog poop. A pile of dog poop. A heap of whatever. Smells rotten. I consider them as garbage that I might gain Christ and being found in him with the righteousness that comes by faith, not by all the accomplishments that he had done, that I may know Christ. Paul looks at himself, weighs it all. It's all lost compared to knowing Jesus Christ. It is through knowing Christ that we have peace with God. Romans 5 one says, therefore, based on what Jesus Christ has done, spelled out in the earlier chapters of the book of Romans, we have peace with God. It says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but yet we are justified freely by his grace. Chapter 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Going back to chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing we have, is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's all. Paul says, I count it all as lost for knowing the power of the resurrection. Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, 
The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. Paul says, I count it all lost, not just for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, but for the sake of knowing the very power of the resurrection. What does the power of the resurrection give us? It takes all the condemnation from God away from us. I did not know my father well. He left when I was three years old. But from time to time, I would see him periodically. And the last time I saw him, which was about 10 years before he died, he said to me that he thought he was being punished for the sins that he had committed. That through various bankruptcies, drunkenness, marriages that didn't go well, that he felt that somewhere along the line he was being punished because of the things that he had. I tried to tell him that God didn't care, that there was no condemnation, but he wouldn't have. He felt guilty. But the thing is, no matter what we've done in the past or the present or even in the future, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have that cleansed feeling from knowing the power of the resurrection. It is the resurrected Jesus Christ that made our reunification with God possible. We were separated from God in the garden, and we've been separated from God ever since until we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And that is made possible through the power of the resurrection that we have now been set free from the law of sin and death. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the power of the natural law, that those who live without God, just in the natural scheme of things, that you are going to be a slave to sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, all that kind of stuff that goes with that world. Paul says in that passage, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he goes on to say in just the next verse, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there, are, there is no law, because these are things that are produced in you by the power and the fruit, by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We are no longer a slave to the natural law. We are now blessed with the Spirit of God producing in us the very characteristics that Jesus wants to produce in us. And it comes because of the power of the resurrection. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things aren't a matter of law. You can't legislate these things. We can't go to the Supreme Court and say, are we getting it right by interpreting it this way? It's a production of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have power over sin because of the power. We have power over death. And what we're talking about is spiritual death. Physical death entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned. But we also experience spiritual death, and that's separation from God. 
But God made it possible to live again spiritually through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. I came that you might live and have life to its fullest. Knowing the power of the resurrection always also gives us the power to do whatever it is that God has called us to do. And we don't know what that is necessarily. And we may never know for sure exactly what God has called us to do in a specific way. I did not know a year ago that I was going to be called to be your interim pastor. I didn't know until last night I couldn't leave the island tomorrow. (laughs) But by the grace of God, what normally would just tear me up inside in terms of not being in control, I can stand before you and say, by the grace of God, I don't care. I have the power to do what God has called me to do because it is His power. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that He who began a good work in you is faithful and just to complete that work. God is doing the work. It is not us. And then Paul says, I want to know the power and the fellowship of His sufferings. Paul suffered quite a bit. And Paul did not get to do everything that maybe he thought God was going to call him to do. But he did know that in every step of the way, regardless of the sufferings, regardless of the obstacles, regardless of whatever happened, that God would walk with him every step that he took, that he was present by by enjoying the fellowship of God being present in his sufferings. I've seen a lot of hurting people in this life, I've dealt with a lot of broken veterans. And there were times where I wish I could just reach into somebody's heart and grab that pain and pull it out and throw it on the floor and stomp on it so that they could have some kind of peace. But the very thing that they were hurting about was not the pain that they were in, but the feeling and sense that they had been abandoned by something greater than themselves. And that I could not reach in and take out, but I could reach in and say, God is still with you. He is present in our sufferings. No matter how long they last, no matter how deep the pain gets, God is present in our sufferings. And Paul said, I counted all his loss compared to knowing the present and fellowship of his sufferings. Romans chapter 8. If we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul says in verse 18 of chapter 8, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And then he wraps up that chapter with probably the greatest verse I think there is in Scripture. And we read it as our call to worship this morning. There is no separation from God. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is for your sake, we face death all day long, but we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul's response? This one thing I do, brothers and sisters, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. We don't know where this church is going to be in a year. Karen and I don't know where we're going to be in a year. We'll probably be sitting around holding our grandkids somewhere. I may poke my head up on Groundhog's Day and look at my shadow and see if it's long enough to get out and do something else again. I don't know. But one thing I knew now is that God has something for CBC. God has something for the Lundstroms when they get here. God has something for KBM. God has something for Woody Island. God has something for camp. And all these other places that are doing God's will in life. We can't go back to the past and try to revive it. But we can by forgetting those pains and issues that were back there. We can press forward and strain forward with everything that we got to press forward to lay hold of what God has laid a hold of us. To the day I die, I want to lay hold of what God has laid hold of me for. And I pray that as long as Community Baptist Church exists, as long as KBM exists, camp exists, Woody Island or any other church on this island, that we will each lay hold of what God has laid hold of us for. Because therein is the power of Jesus Christ to know Him and begin our first day of salvation by knowing Him. To know the power of His resurrection and the power there is to lay hold of what God has laid hold of us for. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Paul counted everything as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I'd love to tell you about him. I'd love to share him with you. If you're looking for a church home, can't think of a better place. If you just need to pray, I'll pray with you. Let's stand together and sing.